Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you, and rubbing son is racing. Hey, race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network, and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santorowski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we discuss everything racing from the past week. Before we do that, let me introduce you to the panel I have uh, assembled for you tonight. Uh, with me, Mr. Richard Uden, race engineer, and Seth Eggert, the NASCAR correspondent over at Motorsports Tribune. Our good friend Gray Warren is off on assignment, taking care of some business. Uh, but, gentlemen, how are you both tonight? Doing good. All right, great to have you on. Now, we've got a guest with us in the studio tonight. I have uh, Jared Andretti, who's uh, running the Pirelli World Cup TCR class this year, as well as uh, continuing the USAC midgets, or USAC sprints, rather, um, winged and wingless. Uh, Jared's a busy guy. Jared is the son of John Andretti. Um, the grandson of Aldo Andretti. Um, so there's a lot of good short track, uh, short track, uh, pedigree right there. Um, also his grand uncle is, um, Mario Andretti's cousin and cousin is Marco. Uncle is Michael Andretti. So, uh, uh, on top of that, you know, um, your dad's, uh, godson is AJ Foyt and one of your dad's good buddies is <laughs> Richard Petty. So I, I guess it's just natural that, uh, uh, you ended up racing cars, and Jared, good to have you on the show. How are you tonight? I'm good. I appreciate you guys uh, having the first uh, panel discussion. I guess I'll, uh, I'll ever had, uh, especially on a, a you know a, a radio show. So uh, I look forward to it. Something new. All right, great. So now you've uh, been racing in USAC for that roughly six years. Is that correct? You start, you start. Uh, I started racing in USAC mainly in 14. So I mean that's probably yeah. I mean three or four. Years. Three or four years, something yeah, like getting, that. You know, I'm starting to get a little bit older now. I, I know how that goes. Uh, I'm losing track of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but now you've uh, joined the um, David Tilton uh, team along with Copeland Motorsports in the Pirelli World Cup. Uh, it's a new class, the TCR class, um, uh, 2.0 liter turbocharged uh, modified touring cars. Uh, you're running a Volkswagen GTI which uh, gosh when I was in college I had a Volkswagen GTI and it was one of the most incredible <laughs> one of the most incredible cars I've ever had but uh yep. so you've run at Coda, you've run at Virginia, you've got uh Lime Rock coming up on 
Memorial Day weekend. So I mean, with that being said, how difficult is it to switch gears uh, from the dirt short ovals um, to these, these little um, fast and furious cars, for uh, lack of a better word? Yeah, it's just it's just totally different. I mean, I I, I tell everybody I go from you know the normal run sixty races or so with the sprint car on dirt ovals with a rear wheel drive car, and then I go to the TCR races and run the Volkswagen and a front wheel drive pavement and road course. So I mean, you couldn't get it any further. There's no similarity as far as that goes from you know as far as the eye can uh, you know just on the surface. There are some. Um, you know, some things you can learn, you know, especially in the rain, um, running from, you know, the dirt stuff to the, to the pavement stuff. But um, it's really been a totally new experience for me. You know, there's no data on the sprint car, and I've never worked with an engineer on the sprint car, but now I'm working with an engineer and data and, you know, just taking all that in as well. There's so much more information available to you um, that's, that's, dip, that's not available to you on the sprint car side of things, you know. And I, and I still take some of the things that I've learned in the sprint cars as far as watching the track watching what other people are doing. I go and look at other corners, um, you know, because that's what you do in the short track stuff to make, to see what other people are doing. Um, and so we, you know, I take, I take some of what I do on the short track and apply it to the courses. And, and I think it helps. So now you're, now these, uh, the touring car races, they're, they're relatively short in length. They're, you guys run like double headers. They're, they're less than an hour yeah. a piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how, how, how quick is the turnaround on the double headers? Is it one Saturday, one Sunday, or are you, are you guys running twice in one day? Uh, typically one Saturday, one Sunday. When you go to Lime Rock, though, uh, it's going to be two races in one day, so it's going to be pretty pretty hectic uh, that day. It's a two race deal. You run, you practice, 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 qualify on a Friday, and you race, race on a Saturday, and then I go home. And it's funny because actually I'm going to race at Terre Haute on that Wednesday, fly back, fly to Lime Rock on Thursday practice, practice, qualify Friday, race, race Saturday, fly back home Saturday night, and race Kokomo Sunday. So um, I'm going to do a lot of, I'm going to have a PWC weekend um, booking by uh, a couple of sprint car races. So it should be a good time. Well, you're probably the right guy to do it. After all, um, your dad's the guy that invented the double duty at Indy. You know, <laughs> yeah. fly, flying back and, yeah. back and forth from track. So uh, I, I just want to touch on your dad for a second. Um, John Andretti, a you know, really respected guy in motorsports, very versatile driver uh, in his career. And you're kind of following, you know, by, you know, doing uh, some different things there. But, uh, you know, there was a, a health scare. Uh, you know, he had um, stage three cancer. Uh, he came up with the hashtag, um, check it for Andretti, uh, encouraging, uh, you know, man close to 50 to go ahead and uh, uh, get an exam. So, uh, but, but how's your dad doing now, you know, uh, we talked about a little bit off the air, but I just want to elaborate, you know, just want to kind of, you know, fill in the blanks for, for our listeners that are, you know, kind of concerned about uh, John. No, absolutely. And um, he, he's doing well. His, his first scan right after chemo was clear, and then his three-month checkup was clear as well. Um, and, and as you, if you, you know, if people go through this, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of listeners that have had family members go through this. But, um, you know, you're never really, you're never really safe. Um, but the five-year mark is really the goal. And so that's kind of what you look toward and work towards. So you just take it three months at a time and, um, you know, you hope and pray and, and, uh, and just keep chugging along. He, he doesn't, he doesn't slow down at all. He didn't slow down when he was on chemo. I mean, he was at, I think he missed probably, I would say 10 races last year. And he was, he would get, he would, you know, he had surgery one day on like on a Tuesday and was racing with me on a Friday and he, he had surgery in North Carolina, flew to Indiana and was racing with me on Friday and Saturday. And then 
Um, you know, he would go to chemo and, and still go to the races with me and, and go to the car wash and maintenance and everything. So um, he he doesn't let it he doesn't let him slow him down at all. So uh, which is cool and um, so he's doing well right now and we're just going to uh, hope it keeps uh, hope it keeps trending that direction. Absolutely, yeah. So um, now you've got coming up on your schedule. Now we talked about the um, you're doing. You we're going to do uh, some uh, wing racing uh, in Ohio, but you said that fell through? Yeah, we unfortunately, I had a, uh, I had somebody that was going to, uh, Joe Devin that was building, he built my, uh, built the cars. He called me and unfortunately I had to cancel um, helping us out on Saturday. And, and our team is relatively, I would say relatively, it was very inexperienced with a wing car. We've never run one. And so I wanted to make sure that I had all the proper police, you know, pieces in place before I took out a brand new race car and uh, went out there and debuted it with a rookie driver uh, as far as the wing stuff goes. So we're going to go to Hopstop this weekend. We're going to run the non-wing car and the wing car on Saturday and uh, kind of go have some fun and uh, see where it takes us. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be something totally different um, again. And I think just uh, jumping in all these you know, different disciplines of racing is, uh, is only going to be better for me. It's only going to be good for me and, and help me uh, you know, get better in the other disciplines as well. So, like, what are your some of your longer term career goals? Because now you're you started racing relatively late uh, compared to uh, right. I, I believe I'd, I'd read you were 17 when you started racing, and you were yeah, um, and then you were flying, you know, going back and forth on the racetrack uh, as you attended college. Um, yeah, and uh, you went to NC State or UNC. NC State, yes. NC, NC yeah, State, yeah, right. right, right, where where you got your degree. Um, so you know, there's guys 19 years old looking at cup rides so you're at 25 <laughs> you know, 25 now uh, but but what are you i mean what are your uh, long-term goals are you, are you looking to uh to get into a top tier series uh at one point in time whether it be uh in stock cars or sports cars or even perhaps indy cars yeah i mean i think that obviously that's always the goal i think you just as i said you know there's people that are you know back in the day it wasn't uncommon to be 30 years old making your cup debut and now it's um, you know, you, you need to be 19 or 20, and otherwise you're too old. So it's just funny how that, those different trends go. But um, you know, I, I'd like to, I, I, and I'm not, I'm not picky. Um, you know, I'm just doing it. You know, as the phone rings, you pick it up, and if you can fit something into your schedule, you go and race it. So that's kind of just the mentality I've taken. That's the mentality my dad took, and obviously Mario and, and a lot of my other family members. So I think that there's no set career path goal you just um kind of go where it takes you i think that i would like to do i, I would still people like to do rallying i think rallying looks really cool looks interesting it's something that i don't think anybody in our family's done so that would be kind of um interesting to get to do drag racing dad you know that dad's done some drag racing dabbling that a little bit um, he said he always talks about that experience fondly so i think there's you know you never know where you might end up um, i think you just keep your eyes and ears open and and uh, just keep working and, and kind of see what happens now you you did a couple of years ago run the uh, Rolex Twenty Four, did you not? Yeah, I did. Yeah. So, what was that experience like? I mean, you're talking that's uh, you know you're you're used to the just the the really short uh, sprint races on the on the short tracks. Now you're doing a couple hour long stint. Well, it was really cool because um, I got to do it with my father, and that was that was always that was fun. And I had a couple really nice, really cool teammates with Anders Krohn and Taylor Hackard. And uh, we had a we had a good time. It was uh, unfortunately we blew up about twelve hours in, but um, those are but kind of doing that race is kind of a we had a we had a gearbox issue early in the race, and we went I don't know twenty or so laps down on the first stint, 
because they were trying to fix uh, fix the gearbox. So we went out there and we're running laps, and and uh, it was just really it's a surreal experience when you look up and you're doing a stint at three in the morning, and you look up in the stands and you see families under blankets watching you know watching you race, and or you go through and you see the Ferris wheel and and all just the the cool thing that happened with a with a 24 hour race like that. And plus you're going around Daytona, so it it was a really um, awesome experience. I really can't say enough about it. And it was just, it, it was funny because, uh, you know, my mom and my sisters were in the motorhome and they would, okay, you got to wake up, you got to go run and get me back in the motorhome, put the bed, you know, and then wake my dad up, get him out. And uh, so it was, it was a family effort for sure that, uh, that trip. And um, it was something I look on, back fondly on. Yeah, that's got to be an amazing experience, you know. It's even just, I mean, you know, Seth and I have been just to watch the race, and just <laughs> you have to watch it in stages too. You know, I can't imagine the yeah, bouncing back and forth, uh, you know, in in the car and whatnot. So, um, but now you're um, running with David Tilton, who's um, military to motorsports, um, and he's yes. also associated with. Um, your uncle's team uh, on Alexander Rossi's car. So, uh, uh, tell us a little bit about how you, uh, you know, kind of hooked up with David Tilton and, and Copeland. Uh, you know, going from running USACs to to doing this Pirelli thing. Well, I was I was in the shop one morning and working on my sprint cars, and that's what we do every day. And um, uh, David just wandered into my bay, and we have a little bay in the back corner, and uh, he was just looking around the shop and. He was talking to me, and and I, I guess I mentioned you guys off the air. I talk to everybody that comes into our bay. I mean, there's um, everything from schools of kids to CEOs to fans to you know, you never know who walks in and out of your bay. Um, and so you talk to everybody, and you you show them your race cars and explain to them your race cars. And um, if they're if they're small enough, let them sit in them. And um, and uh, I was so I was talking to David and. I was telling him um, how I like to go sports car racing, like I do some other stuff. I really wanted to go road racing. And he goes, well, as a matter of fact, I have a I have a sports car team. Why don't you go look at the car? And it, that was right around this PRI show, and he was they had the Audi RS3 TCR car out there. And he goes, I'm going to be importing the Volkswagens. They're the exact same car with a hatch on them. And if you want to run one, you know, let me know. And so I, was, I went and looked at the car. It's a it's a beautiful they're beautiful race cars, and they're purpose built. And the interesting thing is they're purpose built race cars, but they're 65 percent of the parts are actually the same parts that are on the GTI that's on the road. So they did a great job making the car, the race car, look like the street car. Actually, I, I was tell, tell a story. I was driving behind the GTI on the street uh, a couple weeks ago, and it was, you know, it was like I was racing because it was it looked exactly the same as all the other GTIs out there. So, uh, and um, but anyway, so we kind of got hooked up with that, and and we tested before uh, Christmas, a couple, you know, uh, like three or four days before Christmas, and then. Uh, we uh, started racing, went down to Dakota and started racing. So uh, it, it was kind of a kind of happened just by happenstance, really. It wasn't anything um, planned out or anything else. So now it seems like um, just like you've had two races under your belt, right? One at Coda, one at Virginia. Uh, but it looks yeah. like um, the 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 Honda the Honda's got a pretty good car with uh, with Brian Hurtis' team. Do the Hyundai and with Brian, and then the, the Honda Hun- with Brian Eversley. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, what have, what have your results been like, and what are you looking to maybe do differently when you get to like Lime Rock, Portland, and Utah? Well, the first race weekend we had a uh, we had a bit of an issue. We actually made some contact with the guy the first race, and it ended up blowing, knocking the radiator out of it, blowing the motor. And then the second race there was a a mach- some sort of uh, machining problem 
on the vacuum connector, and we weren't getting full power. So we actually didn't finish a race down in Coda. Went to VIR um, and had a, had an issue the first race. Had to had to go through a, you know, had, to, had to go through a drive-through penalty, and then the second race we. We finished, and um, we were we had some speed early, and then Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun with over eighty casino style games to choose from. You too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a whirl. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions. Apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Spring training is right around the corner. So come for the games and have a ball in Arizona. With world-class resorts, unbeatable dining and nightlife, amazing scenery, and endless outdoor adventure. Make your visit unforgettable. Plan your getaway at myspringtraining.com. But we just we just struggled to kind of get the and that we hadn't done a full race, so I don't think we had quite had the knew where exactly where the track was going to go. Really, it really took a lot of uh, took a lot of rubber as far as took, it got significantly blacker throughout the race, and it was just something I wasn't expecting. Those Pirellis are pretty soft, and um, so it's just something that I think we haven't hadn't accounted for. So you know, I think that a lot of it's just getting the experience to know what we need to do with the car for the races. Um, and kind of what we kind of where that leads us, and uh, and kind of what to do with my driving as far as to get the most out of it during those races. Um, so I think that it's all it's all learning experience for me. And like I said, uh, working with the engineer and all the other things, what I need to demand out of a car to to get quicker and things like that. I mean, that's all stuff that you learn in the sprint cars, and you know you know I know the field to go to, and and kind of we're working through that as far as the uh, TCR stuff. So. Um, just looking to, to finish all the races, many laps as we can, and uh, and hopefully we can uh, we can get some good results. Okay, now uh, Seth, I want to bring you into the conversation. You've got a question or two for Jared. Yeah, I have two, uh, Jared. You said uh, that you would run just about anything. Is there one particular track you would want to run at? That I would want to run at? Yeah. You know, it's, that's a difficult question. I mean, I think that um, we're going to get to go to Knoxville later this year with the sprint car, which is going to be really cool. Um, sprint car, they call it the sprint car capital world. I'd really like to go there. I got to run Reams Grove last year, which was really, um, which has had a lot of history. As far as a road course, you know, that's a difficult question. I, I got to go to Coda, which was, um, you know, I got to go to a Formula One track, did Daytona. I think that it would have to be somewhere in Europe, maybe Spa, maybe Monza. Uh, Monte Carlo, you know, uh, it's just one of those places that would be really um, would be really cool. I just don't know. Um, I don't have a maybe a specific one circled, but I think the, any of those three tracks, one of those historic road courses um, or or street course over in Europe would be something that I'd like to cross off my bucket list at some point. Very understandable. And my other question is, I know you're driving for your dad sometimes now, sometimes some other owners. Uh if you do move up to, say, IndyCar, would you want to drive for family? Or would do you think that would be maybe too much pressure and you would w- run elsewhere? You know, I think that um, I've driven for my, for my dad a long time. We've, you know, we've kind of built this team from 
being one car and one motor and a borrowed truck and trailer and um, to, to being able to have multiple cars and motors and then a truck and trailer that's ours. And kind of, we kind of built it from the scratch. Um, we had a set of tools and, and kind of decided to go sprint car racing, and that's kind of how we got started. Um, so I've done everything we always with family. I think uh, Michael's got, in my opinion, the best IndyCar team um, out there. I mean, he's won the 500 at three of the last four years. That's where uh, you go to, you know, you, winning the 500 is, is the ultimate pinnacle in motorsports. And I think that, um, you know, I think absolutely I'd love to drive for Michael. I'd love to drive for family. I think that um, that, would be a, that would be a huge honor and something that my father did as well. Um, so I think, you know, my dad's got, dad's been very, uh, he's been very lucky to get to drive for AJ and Richard and, and Michael as we all, uh, as we, we talked about off the air. So, uh, I think, uh, continuing in those, getting able to drive for some of those, uh, those car owners would be, uh, would be amazing and, and, and a huge blessing. Now, Richard, you've got, uh, you've got a question to add. Yeah, actually, I've got, I've got two questions. Sorry, I lied to you, Frank, when I said I had one. I've got well, two. You, you could have two. You're, good? you're allowed to. Thank you. Um. <laughs> Sorry, putting my uh, engineering uh, hat on now. Sorry, trying not to to, to bore anybody out there. And uh, I don't know with the with the um, you know the series that you're involved in. Um, and I speak to drivers who are mainly sort of stuck in one series. So you know the Formula One drivers and the you know NASCAR Cup drivers more recently. Do you do you do much sort of simulator work? We have some, yeah, we have a, an iRacing simulator at back of my, yeah. at, at home in North Carolina. So, you know, that's really good to learn as far as um, the turns, where the, just where the road course goes. Yeah. And uh, and so that that, that is, to me, has been the, the biggest benefit. And mm-hmm. At least I know, and kind of the gearing and things like that, sure. stuff that I'm not used to. And so, you know, obviously there's so many videos available on YouTube that you can watch. Um, so, you know, so many different kinds of cars. I've gotten pretty good at figuring out, which cars the gear ratios match to my TCR yep. car, so I can kind of know, okay, they're in fourth there, I should be in third there, or whatever it may be. So, yeah. um, you know, you learn those things. If you just, uh, you just put the time and the effort in, you can, uh, you can make some gains there. Yeah, that, that was my question, because there's, you know, there's some guys that you, you deal with, and they sort of, you know, they'll swear that simulators are the worst thing ever, and that there's no point in using them at all. Uh, they're typically some of the older drivers, should we say, um, right. Whereas, you know, some of the younger guys are like, oh, you know, I'll spend, you know, all the time, you know, spare time in the world. I mean, when I was at, uh, with, with Williams F1, I know that Valtteri Bottas, he, you couldn't keep him out then. You know, he was in there like, you know, seven days a week if he could be. And, and he massively leaned on that system. Um, and he yeah. said he, he, it felt really realistic to him, whereas other drivers were like, oh, it doesn't feel anything. And I'm sure partly that's a mental thing. If they want it to be good it'll be good. If they don't, you know, it won't. Right. Absolutely. And I think that, I mean, it's just, it's what some of the work for the older drivers, you know, it's it just, racing's just like anything else, right? There was, you know, 20 years ago, you know, we were barely, computers were barely around. Now they're a part of our everyday lives. Cell phones are not around. Um, it's just, you know, you have to be able to adapt and I think use all those tools to your advantages because there's people that are going to use those tools. You know, drivers used to not work out. You know, it wasn't yeah. until Senna came along in the early 90s or in the late 80s that he would, you know, that you guys really started to get serious about their fitness and their diet. So oh, yeah. I think that the simulators, you know, are the same, under the same token, it's going to be guys that get on board and learn how to make them use to their advantage 
it's going to be a tool for them to excel. And that doesn't mean it's going to make them better than guys that don't use the simulator, but I think it's going to be it's going to help close that gap possibly if they're close. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 totally. And I mean, again, being an engineer, I'm, I'm a big believer in them. And, you know, as you say, even if it's just a familiarization tool, and, you know, I'm sure with, by sounds of things, you know, the number of races that you're involved in and the number of different circuits you go to, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a massive benefit. But uh, that was sort of leads into our second question, really. And, uh, you know, from, from being involved in so many series and so many different types of car, you know, you, you look at a lot of the, the sort of high-end motorsport these days, so the, the Cup Series, um, you know, IndyCar, Formula 1. A lot of these drivers are very restricted, either contractually or through their own desire not to be involved in other series. I mean, you go back to, you know, the, the 60s and 70s when you had guys like Jim Clark and Graham Hill. I mean, they... Right. They'd race their bikes from the, you know, to back to the hotel every night. They'd race anything that could move. Uh, do you think that, you know, it, it's maybe detrimental to motorsport now that we're not seeing the guys in as, in as many different environments? You, know, you look what Fernando Alonso did last year when he went to Indy. That was a huge boost for the viewership in, if, of the IndyCar racing in Europe and of course he's now doing the uh, WEC championship and doing Le Mans again right. I'm sure that'll have a yep. massive benefit No I mean I think that I mean I think that's a great question I think and I think absolutely it is I think you know I understand the way that motorsports has gone back in those days it was you know hop in a car and drive it and there was not as many there was owners that didn't have sponsors or if they did have a sponsor you know it didn't matter who was driving it it, but they become, you know, sponsors become so synonymous, so synonymous with the guys that are driving it. You know, you think of DuPont, you think of Jeff Gordon, you think of Galozzi, you think of Jimmy Johnson. So, it, you know, for them to get hurt or do something else, you know, it makes it difficult for a partner to get or a sponsor to get involved. But I think on uh, overall, it does hurt the motorsports because I think they don't create these mega stars anymore. Um, as far as like you talked about the Jim, you know, the Jim Clarks, the Graham Hills, the Marios, the Foyts. Those people that um, they would show up, they would go run DeCoin, you know, Mario would run DeCoin in a Silver Crown car, and then he would go run the Formula 5000 race. Yeah. And he would fly back and forth and do that. And so it's, it creates these people that are, you know, that are, and it, and it creates this fan base as well that guys that are watching the Formula 1 race are now paying attention to what's happening in the Silver Crown race because they, yep. they saw Mario win in Monza, and they want to see what he's going to do at Springfield on the mile. And then you see the people in the Springfield mile going, man, what's this spa all about? I need to figure out, you know, a spa? Do you mean the one I go to and get, you know, <laughs> you know no, oh, no, it's a racetrack, and they're in a Formula 1 car, you know, so it just creates this, this breed, you know, it's like a, it creates these fans that allow them to go across different, and it, and it gets people exposed to these different forms of motorsports. I, I told somebody um, a couple weeks ago that I think that there are sports car fans you know, that are, that are, that only know sprint car racing. And I think that if you can get them to watch a sports car race, they'll, may, they'll think maybe this is really cool. This is really interesting. I'd like to, I'd like to do, I'd like to go to one of these instead of spending my money on a ball and stick sport. Cause, yeah. cause the way I look at it is motorsports needs to work together. You know, NHRA, NASCAR, IndyCar, th- those are not, they're not, it's not NASCAR versus IndyCar versus NHRA versus short track racing. They all are together. It's all of them versus, the NFL, the NBA, MLB, you know, NHL, whatever it may be, because, um, you know, we're all in this for the good of motorsports in general, and I want to see them all succeed. 
um, whether it be drag racing or rallying or Indy cars, cup cars. You know, it, it, there's doesn't need this doesn't need to be this division. Um, yeah. And uh, I think that Fernando helped bridge that gap, and uh, and so I'd love to see somebody else do that, and I'd like to see that happen more often. And I think it's help, helping WC as well. I mean, I'm paying attention to WC because I want to I want to see yeah. Fernando do well. <laughs> I met him last year. And he came back and went to my sprint cars, and and I he was asking questions and intelligent questions, and and uh, you know I told him whenever he wanted to drive one, I would have one ready for him, and he said no way, but um, but who knows, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the offer's there. <laughs> yeah. No, and and uh, that's sort of interesting. From and also from a from a personal level, you know, you sometimes like you listen to athletes play play lots of sports and. It'd be interesting to sort of, you know, to sort of ask your opinion on this. Do you find, in a way, the the higher up, the sort of, for want of a better word, the motorsport pyramid you climb, it becomes less enjoyable because it's more, you know, structured from a media and a PR point of view, or do you still feel you've got that freedom a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a, that's a, you know, I think anything that, becomes you know there's more pressure there's everything that else goes with it you know that's it, it, a tough question um i think that you know it, it, it there's two sides to that token because there's more pressure it's more structured there's more money involved there's more more sponsorship involved but on the flip side of that is when you succeed it feels that much better you know what i mean if you're racing yeah. locally and beating the same people every week locally and then you can go versus winning the indianapolis 500 um that you're going to feel a lot better about winning the Indianapolis 500, obviously. So, you know, I think it depends. One thing I have liked seeing, like especially in Formula One, to talk talk to you about that, it it, it kind of got in the early 2000s. There was a lot of, um, you know, there was the um, the Schumachers, the Hocken, the Mika Hocken, yeah. the um, you know Kimi Raikkonen. They were so um, so focused and so I'm not going to say they didn't have a personality, but they were just very much straight faced to the point show up and race and try to win and then go home. Yep. But now you have all these different personalities. You have Ricardo, you have Vettel, even Hamilton's loosening up a little bit. Obviously, Alonso, um, he is as well. And then you have Verstappen. And then you just have this this like, this like different culture that I've seen in Formula 1, at least from the outsider's perspective. Um, the press conferences, they actually smile. You know, and after <laughs> the races, the second guy actually laughs. And, yep. and, you know, they... So I think that that is good for motorsports. And I think that is good and i think that that goes to the trend that just because there's more pressure and more money and everything involved doesn't mean these guys aren't having a blast no and no. um no, and it's interesting it you, you sort of, yeah it's interesting you sort of mentioned that because a lot of what you know fernanda took out of running the indy 500 last year was how how much he enjoyed engaging with the fans and how much yeah it, it was he you know it was a lot more relaxed for him uh that that sort of yeah. environment even though that the magnitude of the race was right. you know in, in many ways an equal to anything that he does during his day job for of a better word but it was right it, it was that that feeling of, of not being quite so tense and it's interesting now that you know the liberty group own the sport and you know maybe that's sort of they're trying to change that culture because I, I think you know as you say you know 15 10 15 years ago the atmosphere around the teams became almost sort of military-like and it was right. there's like a barrier between the fans and the teams and you're almost like you're at a zoo and you couldn't right. touch anybody whereas yeah. 
you know, as more of these drivers go out and experience these other sport, uh, other series that are a lot more relaxed and a lot more engaging, I, I think it's good for the sport. Unfortunately, a lot of them end up going through that after their career and don't have an opportunity to come back into the Formula One paddock and say, hey, guys, there's right. another world out there. This is really cool. Um, so, yeah, that's one of my big things where I think Formula One needs to improve, and especially for it to work in the US market, is to have a far more relaxed atmosphere. And I think it's slowly getting there with the new ownership, but when you have guys like Fernando doing what he did, I, I think it's fantastic for, the, for motorsport in general, because it's, you know, as you say, they've all got to work together. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's the cool thing about short track racing is, is um, you know, there's been times I've, I've rolled up under red, there's been times I've crashed, and I get out of the car, and I have fans screaming at me, go back, you know, I, I ran a super modified up at Oswego, and I and I uh, throttle hung one night, and I crashed. And I got out of the car, and the fans came out, uh, the fans said, go back to where you came from, we don't want you here, yada, yada, yada. And I just gave them a thumbs up, how you doing, high five, I'll see you guys next week. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner week got out of the car and 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 went back and um i came back next week there was a red flag i pulled it out of gear i'm like oh okay i i'm i'm, I'm in turn four the guys come to the fans the stands and go hey jared how's the car how you doing <laughs> and i'm going i'm you know <laughs> you know it, it's just that interaction that the, you know yeah. you talk to them you're talk, you're in the car it's lap 20 and you're going now oh, the car's a little tight well we should be all right here hopefully some of these guys you know these he's getting free in front of me i can get him so I think that interaction between the fans and drivers has to be there because those are those are the interactions that fans remember forever, and those are the ones that get fans for life. Um, I yeah. can't tell you how many times I've been told stories of, I met Mario at Springfield in 1967, and he signed my hat, and here's the hat. And, yeah. you know, it's something that it took a minute, but it was a personal interaction with him, and that's different than anything else that they've experienced. Exactly. And, and I, I think that that's, you know, that, that makes a big difference. Anyway, yeah, no, sorry. And, uh, and that's what I always sort of say about these, you know, the guys. People say, oh, you know, these, you know, Formula One drivers or NASCAR drivers or IndyCar drivers or whatever. Oh, you know, and it's like, yeah, they use the bathroom the same as you or I do. You know, they're, right. they're no different. They're human beings. They're real people. And it's a shame that, you know, we don't get that interaction. We don't get that human side as much as we maybe should do. Um, and it's, yeah. as I say, I think that's the big barrier that um you know motorsport is facing and it needs to sort of try and break that down a little bit yeah and i mean another thing is, is another thing about motorsports and like too is, is you need to do things to get these guys in the public eye because i think one of the one of the things and um the difference in motorsports and a lot of these other is you can't see their faces during no. during when they're doing what they're doing best and what they are paid to do and what they're famous for and what makes them special compared to every other by everybody else in in the room or everybody else in the world is you know driving the race car they can't they can't see their faces you know I mean these guys basketball players they 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 become synonymous because they see their face for 
you know, 12, four 12-minute quarters. And, and even football players, they take their helmet off, and you can see through their helmet. Same with NHL players and baseball players. So I think you need to even do more on that side of things to get these people to be recognizable and these brands to be built um, because that, that pulls everybody up. As these drivers become more recognizable in the public eye, it, it makes it easier for them to promote and for the – you know, to get fans there, and it's just, it's kind of a, it's like a, you know, it's a it's a cycle, it's pushing the snowball from the top of the mountain, and it just builds momentum, and, and pretty soon you have a, you know, you, not that you don't have a fantastic product already, but it just, it just creates more and more and more. Yeah, oh no, it's, it's a difficult industry, isn't it? You, you, you're buying for TV time and airtime on TV, and, you know, as you say, it's, uh, it's, it's to make these people recognizable, and, uh, you know, Honda's done good with their TV commercials, and, you know, trying to bring that more into the mainstream. So uh, hopefully, it's all going in the right direction. Right, and, and you got guys. Yeah, you got guys like uh, Hinchcliffe out there dancing. You know, and, yeah, exactly. and, and Alexander Rossi and Connor Dale are out there on Amazing Race, and you know, and on Celebrity Family Feud. And, and these guys just, <laughs> and these guys just put themselves out there too. I mean, if you just uh, look at the whole little autograph battle that uh, Joseph Newgarden and Simon Pagano are having in on on uh, Twitter and YouTube, it's really quite entertaining. But it really kind of humanizes the drivers uh, as just you know, pretty. Uh, pretty good personalities which is, is something that uh, like i said was lacking in formula one for years so but uh jared before we let you go i i wanted to uh I just talk about one more thing and that's um your grandfather uh aldo andretti who uh a lot of people don't realize that uh aldo was a pretty darn good race race car driver himself um and he might have uh, reached the heist that mario had had he not uh had some injuries early in the career but uh i, I mean is is uh aldo active um with, with your with your race career do you got do you guys talk often because uh, he um he was a terror on the dirt tracks from uh from all accounts yeah he absolutely he was um he I, he was about actually about i would say about 10 minutes from me um here in brownsburg indiana and so uh we sp- we speak fairly often he um I text him every now and again, and um, I was telling somebody yesterday, actually, I texted him in uh, December. I got a response in April, and I taught him three or four <laughs> times since then. <laughs> you know, you know, three or four times. So um, he, he's not as great with the uh, with texting back and forth, but uh, I go see him, and he comes to some races whenever he can. So um, he's still staying busy in his uh, in his old age and um, and uh, or getting older. Um, he's, I'm not going to call him old because uh, he still stays active. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, I've called him – from time to time for advice on different places because um, when I went up to Oswego, he he had been him and Mario had been the only two people that, in our family that had raced there, and uh, so he gave me some advice there. You know, it was in the '60s. Um, he did, he made some interesting points that, that I took up there with me. So um, he, he you know he's uh, he stays as active as he can to come to as many races. He'll come to the shop and, and um, actually I had him in the shop not too long ago, and I was I was peeling decals off a car, and he goes, well. Give me, give me that heat gun, and I'll, I'll do the other side. So he was there uh, peeling decals off a car, so I could uh, get a revinyl. So uh, he's, uh, like I said, he, he's, he's into it, and he loves racing as much now as he did when he was, you know, came to the United States and was 16 years old, and, and building a modify for him and Mario to go, uh, go out to Nazareth. And man, that's incredible. So uh, now, before we let you go, Jared, because I know you got a pizza on the way, um, would you? <laughs> I hope your pizza's not sitting there getting cold. But uh gosh, we sure have enjoyed talking to you. But um 
I, I want you to um, just let our listeners know where they can find you on social media, where we can follow you, um, and any and any events you want to plug. I know you've got like a meet and greet coming up with uh, where you're going to be side by side with uh, Michael's uh, IndyCar drivers. Yeah, we're going to. Uh, there's going to be a Napa store here in Indianapolis um, from 12 to 2 tomorrow. And they're going to have the four knee car drivers. I'm going to have my wing sprint car there. I'm going to be, uh, I'll be by the, the, the sprint car talking to people about it. And, um, and they come by and stop by and, and, and say hello. And I'd love to talk to you. And otherwise, you can find me on social media, Jared and Gretty Racing for Facebook, and Dreddy Autosport Short Track for Facebook, and then um, at Jared and Dreddy Twitter, and at Jared and Dreddy uh, Instagram. So those, I keep it simple. Um, I make sure I don't forget my own accounts. So uh, if you type in Jared Andretti, it should it should come up. <laughs> um, and so follow me there, and uh, you can ask questions. I'm, I try to be as responsive as I can, and um, and kind of uh, try to engage as much as I can. Right, and that's Jared Andretti with one R and two T's. Just like the last name. Yep. Ex- exactly, yep. So, um, Jared, I, I wish you the best of luck. Hopefully, maybe later in the season, you'll come back on the show. Um, tell us about your first Pirelli uh, World Cup win that's going to come at Watkins Glen. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, hey, you know, we can be optimistic. So, um, uh, you know, any any final thoughts before uh, before we let you go enjoy your pizza and uh, get some rest? No, absolutely. I, I appreciate you guys having me on. It was it was uh, it was fun, and uh, you know, how to get a hold of me and um, love to do it again. All right. Well, have a great night, Jared. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, we'll let you go, and then we'll uh, move to our uh, segment where we talk about uh, racing, I guess. Uh, the big news is NASCAR's for sale, Seth? Uh, uh. <laughs> Isn't everything for sale at the right price? Uh, everything has a price, doesn't it? Exactly. Now, that report came from uh, Reuters. And I've heard a number of different stories as far as this is concerned. Some that uh, France family is just trying to get a value for it, you know, to find out an approximate value for the sport. Some that it could just be one specific member of the France family that's looking to sell their portion of the sport. And I've also heard that it's just that they are, according to some, just looking to get out of it completely. So it depends on who you're talking to and which report you're reading. So, you know, what does this mean? Is it just Brian France trying to sell out his stake? Uh, is well, he trying to jump off a sinking ship? Or or is this just... Well, are, they, are, they, are, are they just trying to bring another partner in where, they're, where the France team is still going to hold some control... Well, and, uh, or, or is, a little bit, is it too early to tell? Well, I'd say it's too early to tell because there's also debate whether or not Brian France has a stake in the sport because there's also a report saying that about two years ago he sold his stake to Lisa France Kennedy and uh, Jim France. So, again, it, it depends on who you're talking to. Okay, so we'll just have to see how all this plays out. But in the meantime, uh, NASCAR actually ran a race this weekend at Dover. Three. They ran three uh, races. All, okay, well, the, the Cup Series ran a race at Dover, and then yeah. the other two series were active. So, um, Seth, go ahead and go ahead and take us through uh, uh, Kevin Harvick, fourth win of the year. 
it is his fifth. Fourth, fourth, fourth win of the year. Fourth win of the, the year. Most, the most he's ever had in a single season was five. That was his championship season in 2014. I have some uh, quotes about that a little later. But Harvick dominated the race. He won both stages. Uh, the first stage actually came down to fuel mileage. Uh, Denny Hamlin ran out of fuel. Uh, I want to say Truex Jr. pitted with a tire issue. A few others were on the verge of running out of fuel. Harvick coasted across the line because he was trying to save fuel. Uh, and NASCAR opted to open pit road earlier than normal. It's not a change in the rules. It's not a change in policy. NASCAR just decided to open pit road earlier because they didn't have enough push trucks to push 15 cars that were about to run out of fuel. Uh, in the end, Harvick, like I said, he dominated. He led just over half the race. Uh, Clint Boyer, his teammate, finished second. Uh, it is the f- fifth or sixth time this year that all four Stuart Haas cars finished in the top 11. Uh, it was pretty much Kevin Harvick's day from the get-go. Uh, he won the first practice. He won the second practice. He won qualifying. The only thing he didn't win was a final practice. Uh, otherwise, it was a pretty team race, all in all. There's a couple of, uh, you know, cause, uh, probably one of the most interesting things, I guess, but surprising was Kyle Busch losing a, a drive shaft. I mean, it, it properly went, didn't they? I mean, it wasn't and like a... He diagnosed that on lap yeah, five. He said he, he said he uh, had a vibration. This was on the radio. And it was about five or six laps later, he said that the vibration was coming from the drivetrain. And he was able to nurse that car to lap 271 when it shattered into pieces. Yeah. Yeah, they they spin at such high high rates, and they're a pretty heavy piece of kit um, that if they get slightly out of balance, then... I mean, it's like an old... It's like a tire on on your road car. I mean, they're they're, they're very, very finely balanced, but... um, if those things get out of get out of balance, um, yeah, you can be in a real mess. The interesting thing is, I mean, typically you won't change a drive shaft during a weekend, and I don't know if that's the part you can change between practice and the race without a penalty. But uh, yeah, typically, you know, you'd feel it from the car rolling off the off the off the hall. I mean, you could eat, normally feel it on the uh, on the uh, engine dyno before the car even leaves the shop. I mean, I lost count the number of times that I was involved in, you know, diagnosing that and changing drive shafts in the shop. But uh, for it to suddenly start in the race was very unusual. I mean, the potential that it got knocked while they were working underneath the car, or, you know, I don't want to sort of make any assertions that uh, aren't true there, but uh, it's very, very unusual for it to suddenly happen like that. Well, there were a couple of different weird situations happening uh, during the race. Uh, aside from Kyle Busch, uh, Paul Menard had a loose wheel in the first stage, and he went to pit road, and the team could not get the wheel off. The loose wheel damaged one of the wheel studs, and he had to go all the way back around before he could go into the garage area, and they had to change the tire in the garage. The same thing happened to Ryan Newman as well. A wheel stud broke on his car, and they had to go to the garage in order to change the wheel and replace the stud. And very early into the race, 20 laps in, Corey LaJoy lost 
his, uh, an engine. It's the third time a car he has been driving this season has lost an engine. And mind you, he's only been in four races this season. <laughs> wow. And that and that's what set up that whole fuel mileage run for the first stage. And ultimately, there will be a fuel mileage run in the second stage had Derek Cope not crashed. And it, it's just a weird weekend. At did least you, for the did you say years. Derek Cope? Derek Cope, yeah. Oh, he's still around? Uh, he, this was his first start of the season, and he is going to make his second start of the season at, at, at Kansas. All right, well, good for him, man. You know, old guys, you know. He's running old, a Old guy's second, still out there. He's running a second car to the Starcom car, which is currently driven by Landon Castle. All right, well, we'll look forward to seeing that, so... uh but go ahead, Seth. I didn't mean to break your train of thought. Oh, oh you're fine. You're fine. Uh, we also had the Xfinity Series in action, which that was probably the most exciting race of the three races this weekend. Justin Allgaier took the victory, and it came down to a last lap, beating and banging with his teammate, Elliot Sadler, for the win. It almost looked like the two of them were going to wreck coming off of turn four. Somehow they held it together, both of them bouncing off the outside wall, Allgaier taking the victory. Uh, ultimately, that victory is not going to count. We'll get more on the penalties in a little bit. But the Xfinity race, it was the last dash for cash race of the season. The last time there are going to be no cup drivers per the rules until the season, the regular season finale at Indianapolis later on this year. Uh, I believe it's Indy for the Xfinity series as well. Uh, and the Xfinity Series race was a relatively tame and chaotic race at the same time. Uh, it was chaotic because we had a few early incidents. Matt Tiff spun on lap two. Uh, we had an incident with Cavs Brawler that TV pretty much missed. And we had Ty Majeski, who in his fourth start of the year has fourth crash of the year for Roush Fenway. Uh, Super late mall racer out of the Midwest. It seems like he's still running with a super late mall mentality. Run hard throughout the entire race instead of trying to save your stuff to the end of the race. But that's another story for another day. In the truck series, Johnny Soller took the victory. And that was after being and banging with... Noah Gregson. Gregson ended up going, backing into the outside wall in turn three. Gregson took responsibility for it. And he even manned up, went into victory lane and apologized to Johnny Sauter because of just how violent the beating and banging was between the two of them. Now, there were eight penalties this week. Daniel Suarez and Clint Boyer both had rear window uh, issues. For Suarez, it was not uh, flush to the deck lid. That's an L1 penalty, 20 driver and owner points, and his car chief is suspended for the next two races. For Boyer, the rear window was not rigid. That's a penalty seen multiple times this year, with Kevin Harvick and Chase Elliott. And, once again, 
20 driver points, 20 owner points. Car Chief suspended for two races. Austin Dillon, and this is something that NASCAR warned the teams that they were going to start doing a couple weeks ago. The front splitter was not flat. It was not straight. They were going to start measuring it with a straight edge. As a result, his crew chief has been fined $25,000, and his car chief is suspended from the next race. Justin Allgaier, as I alluded to earlier, his he had an issue with the truck trailing arm spacers and pinion, pinion angle shims. They were not in complete uh, contact with the corresponding mating surface. That takes away his playoff points, the, the automatic lock for the playoffs, and 25 driver and owner points. His crew chief is suspended for the next two races, but he kept he gets to keep the $100,000 bonus from Dash for Cash. Why, why is that? Because NASCAR is classifying that as a contingency bonus and not a competition bonus. The penalties only affect competition bonuses and not contingency bonuses. Now, the weirdest penalty has come from the Xfinity series. A crew member, Michael L. Hayden, has been suspended indefinitely and has been charged with criminal violations domestic violence, trafficking, and assault after he got into a verbal argument with his former team owner and a fight broke out and he broke the team owner's jaw. Okay, so, so, so the it, deal is, that's just a normal day at work for me. I don't know what the yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I was like... So, so all in all, it's been a really crazy week in NASCAR. And... Junior Motorsports did uh, put out a statement uh, as far as Justin Allgaier is concerned, and they are not going to appeal his penalty. Now, which penalty was that? You said so many. Uh, that, that was, was the pinion uh, angle, wasn't it? the pinion angle and truck trailing arm spacers. Okay, not the, the interesting thing. Not, was, not, not, not the punching the guy in the face one, right? No. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I did find it interesting in their statement. that like, well, that uh, you know that damage was caused by a post a post race uh, you know um, co- or, you know uh, contact at the uh, the end of the race, and uh, you know we never cheated. Well, then appeal it if it was caused by late race contact. If you can prove it, you know it was a bit of a. I, I, I'm pretty certain that uh, they knew exactly what they were doing. But like I said, they're getting to keep that one hundred thousand dollar bonus. Granted, if NASCAR took that away, it would still be going to Junior Motorsports with Elliott Sadler, who finished second. Elliott's car was also taken back to the R&D Center, and it passed uh, uh, inspection at the R&D Center. So, whether or not you agree with NASCAR's decision to let Allgaier keep the $100,000 bonus... It's up for debate. There's some saying that he shouldn't get it because the car was illegal, but because NASCAR's saying it, they're only penalizing the competition bonuses. There are some people saying where it's not a competition bonus, it's a contingency bonus that he should keep it. So there's a little debate there. 
I guess it's ultimately up to NASCAR to make the rules there. So, uh, so we're off to Kansas for a Saturday night race. Correct. And so Kansas, you gotta you gotta look at a guy like Martin Truex, who has been pretty spectacular on these type tracks all last year. Um, you like you like Martin for Kansas, or uh, or think the Fords are just too strong right now? Well, Kansas Martin did sweep last year, and that. W- did also start his string of, well, it was the second of his string of eight race wins last year. So it really depends. It looks like it's going to be a battle right now between Harvick and Kyle Busch and maybe Truex, but it might be a little too early to tell whether or not Truex has the same magic he had last year. Yeah, uh, Truex does seem to be quite, I mean, the Toyotas don't seem to be quite the match of the Fords, uh, right now, but uh, there's a lot of races left to go. So, uh, with that being said, Seth, who do you like for Kansas? You want Truex, or you want Harvick, or you want somebody else? I'm going to take somebody else. All right, who are we going to take? Believe it or not, I'm going to go with Eric Almirola. Okay, you know, I was kind of thinking that earlier today when I was sending my my picks to the pub pool that Almirola might be his time. So, Richard, who do you like for Kansas? Oh, it's it's hard to look beyond the you know the, the the sort of main three contenders that we've seen so far this year. But if you're throwing somebody out there as a little bit you know to make it interesting, let's go with Daniel Suarez. You know, I was thinking that too when I sent in my pub pool picks. <laughs> Matter of fact, the the, the uh, picks I sent into the pub pool were Truex, Suarez, and uh, guy you just said, Seth. So, but, Amarola. Amarola, yeah. But I was wondering, maybe Kurt Busch. Uh, you know, maybe maybe Kurt Busch could, could be pretty good at Kansas there, you know, and uh, just because that uh, Stuart Haas team has been pretty strong. So uh, so I'll go with Kurt Busch. And um, Gray's not with us, so uh, we'll, we'll get his pick um, on the sly here. But we've got about seven minutes left to talk about any uh, IndyCar and or Formula One news. And obviously, you know, the big IndyCar news is, um, you know, Pietro Fittipaldi uh, broke both his legs in a WC crash, and that leaves the one Indy 500 seat up for grabs. Um, now, Zachary Clayman DeMello will be in that car for the Grand Prix of Indianapolis this weekend. Uh, that was a pretty easy uh, move for Dale Coyne there. The uh, Fittipaldi and DeMello split the seat time in that car, but he, he would like to get somebody more experienced on ovals, and more experienced with the 500 um, than than Zachary, and the names, the two names that keep popping up um, at the top of the list are. <coughs> I have thoughts regarding the names popping at the top of the list are Catherine Legg, who's uh, running sports cars this year. Um, she's got a few sponsors that might help her out, and Sebastian Saavedra, who. Could bring funding from uh, Gary Peterson and AFS Racing, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I'm sure now because we tape on Wednesday and air on Thursday that they'll make the announcement in between, and uh, we'll all know what the answer is tomorrow. But uh, uh, there's that open seat for the 500. Um, but uh, you know, it's uh, Indy, IndyCar Grand Prix is coming up this weekend. Um, it kicks off the month of May. Then we'll go into the qualifying weekend. We're going to have an actual bump day this uh, year with two cars that are not going to make the field. So, uh, with that being said, fellas, who do you like for the IndyCar Grand Prix? 
I'll start with you, Richard. Uh, are you okay? Sounds like you're hurting. Yeah, I'm just, it's a difficult. One. There's, there's so many guys that you know are going to be there or thereabouts, certainly. Uh, let's go with Bourdais. Yeah, yeah, great pick. Yeah, so and Seth, you like anybody in particular for the Indy Grand Prix? Since he's still available, I'm just going to go with uh, Joseph Newgarden. Newgarden, okay, yeah. So uh, Newgarden's two two race wins this year. Uh, I look at the IndyCar Grand Prix, and I, I you know, uh, Will Powers won it twice, um, and um, uh, what's his name? Pagano's won it twice. Uh, Pagano was trying to get his season off to a, a, a you know, a out of the miserable thing that he's been mired in. So I'm going to go with Simon. You know, and that's the, that was the site of his first uh, IndyCar win, too. So um, we'll, we'll go with Simon for the Indy Grand Prix. And uh, we've got about four minutes to discuss Formula One. We've got – where are we going next, Richard? Uh, Barcelona. Barcelona. And that'll yeah. be that'll be on Mother's Day. In that's this weekend, yeah. United States Mother's Day, yep. The IndyCar and NASCAR will race Saturday. Formula One will race Sunday. It'll be early in the morning in the States, so... Uh, Nine o'clock, I think. Oh, that's not too bad. Yeah, that's your yeah. European early. Not as bad as, uh, uh, you know... Asia early, exactly, or, or Middle yeah. East early. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, who do you like um, out in Barcelona? I mean, the Ferrari cars have been pretty strong. Uh, Red Bull has been kind of right there. Mercedes has got their first win under their belt now. Uh, is it going to be Mercedes for the rest of the year, or is Ferrari really going to contend? Well, I think there's always been this danger at some point. You know, we've had four great races at the start of the year, and there's always been the danger that at some point, you know, one of these teams is really going to grab it and, and run with it. And you do, despite their apparent struggles, you, you do, or I personally feel that these are going to be Mercedes that are at some point going to say, okay, let's, you know, we've given you a chance. Let's make it, you know, we've made it interesting. Let's let's get on with business. And Due to the fact that they test so much at uh, in, in Barcelona and, and all the teams know the track so well, it's never the most entertaining race, typically. Uh, and you do see this like two-by-two-by-two two two, um, running order where the teams are so close and the drivers are so close that you, it is purely separated by the car. So I expect to see Mercedes not, dom- not necessarily dominate, but really come to the front this weekend. And I think Hamilton will, you know, he's built on that win from uh, Azerbaijan the other week, and I expect to see him push this weekend. Okay, Seth, you have any thoughts uh, on the Formula One race coming up? Uh, I'll ha- I have a pickup for it at least. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Vettel. Okay, all right, and I'll, I'll go with uh, Valtteri. Because he's uh, one of these days, he's just going to say, "I'm tired of following Hamilton." <laughs> but I, I, Richard, to your point, I think he's going to uh, Mercedes is going to grab this thing by the horns, um, and yeah. and we'll just see how it, we'll just see how it plays out the rest of the year. So, uh, guys, we've got about a minute and a half so left. Very, very quick, interesting. Very, very quick, interesting. Okay, this will be my any other business. Then. Yeah, yeah, this will be quick, this will be your final thought because Seth has one yeah. more thought he wants to get in. So, your final um, thought, and then then I'll go to Seth. After four races of this season, McLaren have completed the most laps of any Formula 1 team. At this stage last year, they completed the least number of uh, laps by any Formula 1 team. But um, psh, Yay, McLaren! 
Still slow, but, you know. <laughs> Still slow. I mean, they've com- completed the laps at least. I mean, to, you know, exactly. finish first, you first have to finish. And that's, uh, exactly. uh, you know, from the retirements they had last year, yeah, that's, uh, that's a definite step up. Now, Seth, you have a final thought regarding Kevin Harvick and NASCAR. Yes. Uh, Harvick, as I we said earlier, won his fourth race of the year, and it's 12 races into the season. Only 16 times has a driver won four races in the first 12. Eight of those, they've gone on to win the championship. One of those was Jimmy Johnson in the playoffs. And as I said earlier, Harvick's, uh, the most number of wins he's had in a single year is five. We're only 12 into the season. When he won five in 2014, two of those came into playoffs. So it looks really good for Kevin Harvick this year, but... And, and we'll just follow that the rest of you. But, guys, we are out of time. So I want to thank Jared Andretti for coming on the show. A great interview. Uh, interesting young man. Uh, follow his career. Let's see where it goes. Uh, I want to thank you, Richard, and you, Seth. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, and iTunes for hosting us. And uh, to you folks that tune in and listen to us every week, thank you so much. Good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 